How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Stanley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Vinay Patankar. He is a three-time founder, was a digital nomad for 10 years, which inspired him to create Process Street, Bootstrap two companies, now VC-backed. And Process Street is the future of no-code workflows and AI for process management. Vinay, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Hey, hey, Ryan. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped, dude. Because like I like I was telling you before the show, I've been nerding out on AI for a while. Uh, so love the process side and, and some of the things that you're doing over at Process Street. Uh, but before we get too deep into your company, what you're doing, what you're doing with AI, uh, let's do a real quick revenue rundown so we understand where you're at in the stage of the journey. So where are you guys at in terms of like your revenue or stage, just so that the you the listener has an understanding of kind of where we're at? Yeah, sure. So we raised our Series A. We're about 50 people on the team. We have thousands of customers. We started more in the SMB space. So we have a lot of older, really small customers that was kind of, uh, you know, that we acquired at the early days of the product and we've been slowly working our way up mid-market and towards the enterprise, slowly getting there. <laughs> so is that that sexy beast of moving up market and... Uh... It's fun, but there's definitely a lot of patience and grit required to make that happen. So, uh, so that's awesome. So you you hit most of my like questions right from the get go. You had are you bootstrapped or funded? You had the kind of the stage, and then the people. Talk to us about your solution really quick in like two or three sentences, so everyone has some understanding on in terms of what exactly it does and the outcome it creates. Sure. So we're an AI powered process management platform. We started with a core, our core product, which is our workflow product, which enables teams to uh, manage, track, automate repeatable processes. So usually there's um, a human involved and uh, a lot of the time multiple teams and we'll orchestrate those humans as well as automate data, um, manage forms, manage approvals, manage communication uh, around, the, around the process. So that's the core product. It's the workflow product. We've since expanded the platform out. We also have a pages product, place to put your company handbook, SOPs, policies, uh, a forms product that's like a Google form and a data sets product that's like a Google sheet light. And they all work together to create this kind of engine for managing complex, repetitive processes okay. or simple, but usually there's more value on the complex ones. So are, <laughs> is your like segment or your customer base, is it more... I know you said you're starting to move up market more and, and look at that. Like what's the minimum kind of team size that organizationally you look for to like basically for it to be a solid fit for what you guys do? Yeah. So our ideal customer is probably 50 to a thousand employees. Okay. Um, but we do have a startup product for companies that are smaller than that. And uh, that's like a self-serve product that you can basically get your, get your whole company on. And we're a horizontal tool, so you can use Process Street uh, as the the home for all the processes in your company, your handbook, and everything else, and be used across your entire team, which is pretty common in the the smaller businesses. But a lot of the time, we do end up focusing on particular use cases or teams. So um, we tend to we tend to get more success in the more compliance regulated 
um, industries and teams. So finance, HR, real estate are all uh, very common places for us. IT. Okay. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense, I think, with, with what you're talking and then that company size. So the, the part that I was really interested in, and, and this gets more in your background, your journey, like you mentioned in the, the pre-show just about like how your past kind of led to you creating this company. So can you just walk us through that journey and, and what it was like and kind of how you got to this point? And then how did you decide it was like a real living product that, that you needed to share with the world? Yeah. So my journey, kind of entrepreneurial journey started when I left Australia to start traveling as a nomad and needed to figure out how to make money so I didn't have to go back to my suit and tie job. <laughs> uh, and when you're, when you're in that situation, there's not too many options. You can get a job locally somewhere and you know, teach English or something like that, which is a common thing that a lot of travelers were doing. But this was 2009, 2010, and it was just the beginning. Shopify had just launched. There were you know, early affiliate marketing and stuff going on. And doing my research, I was like, oh, there's actually, you, know, you can make a lot more money with an internet business. Uh, there wasn't really this remote work culture yet. That wasn't really a thing. But there was definitely, you can run your own kind of internet company. And maybe that was a good thing because maybe if it was today, my solution would have just been to just get a remote job and not actually <laughs> go down the entrepreneur path because that's just like so much of a an easier option today. But uh, from back then, it was like, yeah, you, you you know, you had to do your own thing or else it would be pretty difficult to to make a real living. So I started launching internet companies. I launched an e-commerce store. I launched a bunch of lead gen sites and SEO sites. And that was kind of across a couple of different companies and did different things. So I was selling some services. I was doing yeah, lead gen. I was selling uh, drop shipping products. And after a few years of doing that, I started to get some repeatability. I built out a team. I was using um, uh, remote workers in India and the Philippines to manage the company. And... I personally got to the point where the team was, I think, about 20 people. It's like 15 going, going on 20. And I started feeling the overhead of management, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I've got all these people I need to manage. And I need to give them, you know, constantly be feeding them with work. I need to be constantly quality controlling what they do. And then on top of, and then at the beginning, I was actually living in Asia and then I was living in Europe. And then I made it over to America and South America. And so my time zone for dealing with Asia kind of got worse and worse. And once I was in the Americas, that's pretty much the exact opposite time zone. Oh, yeah. And so not only was I feeling this pressure of like having to learn how to manage a team and, and get all that done, but now I was doing it in a complete opposite time zone. So I ended up finding myself staying awake until six o'clock in the morning, many nights a week just to be able to essentially micromanage this team in Asia and make sure that everything was getting done the way that it needed to get done on the timelines it was supposed to get done. And, uh, you know, that just became a massive pain for me, a personal pain of like staying awake until six o'clock in the morning every day. And 
<clears throat> so I just went to try to solve that problem. Like, why isn't there software that can do this for me? Why am I, you know, it, it just seemed, it also just felt like what I was doing was very repetitive, right? I'm just basically managing these repetitive processes that are going on. And every day, did you check this? Did you check that? Did you make sure that was done? Did you make sure this is done correctly? Did you get that approved? You know? And it just felt something like I could, I could put into software. And so that was the original problem I was trying to solve. And that was the inspiration for Process Street. And with that problem, you know, top of mind, we went about trying to build a solution for it. And that was the original version of Process Street, which we built for my company, used my company as the first customer, as the guinea pig beta customer. And once my company and team was using it consistently every day, we started exploring the options of spinning it out into its own product. And, you know, six months to 12 months later, we realized that was the the real opportunity was selling the software and okay. so pivoted into that full time. Yeah. And which company, when you built it for your company, were you, were you in the lead management space? Were you like a, like a marketing agency then or what, or like in a, um, yeah, no. So I was running a portfolio of 20 different websites. Some were SEO selling ads, some were selling leads, some were selling like some digital goods. So it was really, I had this kind of portfolio of websites that I was managing and they were making, you know, between 200 bucks and $5,000 a month or something like per, per website Okay, and, and across all of them had a, had a business. Yeah. I can so see where that'd be a lot to piece together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's all these repet, like, you know, you're writing, you're making content, you're doing website enhancements, design changes, maintenance, um, running ads, uh, you know, managing email lists. And so there's just a lot going on and, but largely all just repetitive stuff, you know, once a site is built and then you create a, uh, a content schedule for it, you're like, yeah, we're going to create one piece of content a week. We're going to send one email newsletter a week. We're going to run 20 experiments on our ads each week. Then it just becomes, keep doing that forever, right? That just becomes very repetitive. And so the work, you know, maybe like spinning up a new property, that was a project, but the vast majority of work that was happening in the business was process. And it's funny because now we have this thing called the process manifesto where we, where we talk about this, but um, it, there's a lot of sexiness around projects, right? People buzz around projects, OKRs, strategies, let's design this new thing. Let's launch this new product. Let's do this rebrand. And that tends to be where a lot of the, um, excitement and, and drama, you know, when you watch a, when you watch a, a TV show about a startup or about a business, like they're talking about, oh, this product launch or this product failure or this, this hire that came in that was successful or not successful or this M&A that we did. But that's actually not what happens most of the time in business, right? Those are the, those are the sexy, like, you know, emotional highs and lows of business. But the majority of work that gets done in a business is just executing on repeatable processes, right? The majority of work Apple does is not design iPhones. It's build and sell iPhones, right? It's like, that's what they're doing day in, day out. That's where they have 50,000 people working on just like the daily production and running of the stores and selling of the phones and supporting of the phones and fixing the broken phones. And like, that's actually where the majority of like hours in the business get done. Um, and you can, you can, you can look at any business, you know, Salesforce, the majority of work is like selling software and supporting software. It's not buying companies or launching new products. Right. Right. Um, and that's the same 
the same for every business. Uh, like processes is actually where the value of a business gets created, right? In the day in, day out execution of that product and service. And so um, I realized that. I realized that, look, this is actually where, you know, it, it may be more fun to to launch these new sites and um, try to get these new revenue streams. But the actually more important part is like keeping the existing revenue streams coming in and growing and doing that in a way that's that's stable and scalable. It's so true. If you don't have repeatable revenue, you don't have a business. Right. So I think uh, I think you nailed it. Do you, do you think that's going to change with I should say like the democratization of AI and how simple it is to create like products or micro products now with all the no code and, and basically, um, you know, the large language models enabling just just breaking down the barriers of, of what it used to take to create products. What's your thoughts on that? Um, no, I mean, no, I think where the biggest value AI is going to add is into the execution of these repetitive processes. A lot of those products that get launched, the point of those products is going to be to make the repetitive processes of a business uh, more efficient or higher quality or cheaper, right? And so you look at any of these things, you look at an AI writing tool, it's, or it, you, you're talking about AI sales tools, right? Like it's not that this is like the majority of work is still not going to be not selling, right? right. You're just going to now have either a team that has 90% attainment instead of 70% attainment, or you can support a team of 30 instead of a team of 20 because like they have more efficiency on their leads or they're able to, in the same amount of time, book an extra three, three opportunities or, or whatever. Right. Exactly. So, so I see it as a, I see it as, as just another form of automation and the main value of automation is in streamlining this repetitive mundane work that humans don't like doing, but that is required for human prosperity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, and I, I agree with you on that. So let's talk about that, like in terms of like, how do you see AI automating work? Like specifically, there's a lot of different paths we can go down with this, whether we're talking about agents or other areas, but like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, you, I could talk about where we're using it. So we've built three uh, AI features so far this year. The first one we built was a, a, a workflow generator or a process generator. So workflow is like our internal term, but you can think about it as a process. So you're going to say you're, say you're I don't know, starting a new team, right? You're like, okay, we now need to launch a customer support team because we got the product to a point that we have enough customers. And, you know, me as a founder, I've been doing all the support. Now I want a team. Um, you know, okay, well, this team needs some type of playbook to follow, right? They need, mm -hmm. how do I respond to this? What do I do? How do I escalate this? How do I refund this? So you've got to start creating a playbook for this team as they come in. And our generator just helps reduce the time that it takes to create that playbook, right? You know, traditionally you'd start with a blank page and you're like, let me write down what they got to do. And this is, this is the most basic AI, you know, generative AI use case, but it's like, you know, generative AI, maybe it's not going to write that whole playbook for you, but maybe mm -hmm. it's going to cut down the time that it's going to take by 50%. Um, it's going to get, you know, you, maybe you can get an outline that you can start working from, or you can get a, a template that it will build out for you that gives you, you know, some, some progress towards where you're trying to get to. Uh, same when you're writing emails or any type of document or whatever these days, you know, it's, it, it may, may, maybe not doing all the work for you, but it's, it's automating some of the work, right? It's reducing the time. So that's one. Um, 
the next the next thing we built was an importer. So using the same workflow builder, uh, but you know when we use a prompt, you just type in, "Oh, I want a customer onboarding process for a payroll tool," and it'll understand some of that. It knows what customer success and onboarding and payroll tools are, and it will you know come up with something. But that's probably not going to be exact what your exact business needs. You're going to have specific tools that your team uses. You're going to have specific uh, methodology. You're going to have debt in your company that you've got to work around and whatever you know, technical or operational debt, or whatever, and. Um, and so things that the AI couldn't possibly know that it had to include, right? Um, so we built an importer that basically will let you take a document. Say you have documented a playbook. Say you've uh, diagrammed out a, a Visio diagram of a workflow and how it needs to run. You can basically take that, feed it into our AI, and it will scan the document and then build out a process street workflow that has all that stuff encoded into software. So it has tasks and form fields that need to pe- that people need to fill out and due dates when things are due and assignments for when who needs to do it and logic based on if this happens, then that happens and approvals for when things need to be approved and logic and like blah, blah, blah and integrations. And like, so, so we can kind of take a, a very basic document and, and something that would, you would have then had to like copy this, add this rule, add this condition, add this assignment, add this form field, name this form field, add this subtask, name the subtask. Oh, yeah. Like what you would have had to kind of do would have taken maybe hundreds and hundreds of clicks to kind of take that document and turn it into an interactive form-based workflow. Um, we can just do with a single upload now, right? So that can that can take something that could have taken hours, many hours and, and, and make it seconds, right? So that's another example. Then the third feature that we built is what we call an AI task that basically allows you to use AI within your workflows. So um, if I have a workflow that gets kicked off from a customer email or a support ticket, I can take that data and I can run it through GPT and I can do stuff with it. So it's like, what's the sentiment of this ticket or summarize this request or turn this into action steps, right? So I can take that content and do stuff with it. Or I could mission mash different form field data that I have with the um, with with an AI prompt. So I can say I have the say I'm, in, I'm onboarding a new employee and I have the com- the customer's name, I have their resume, I have their start date, I have their job title, I have their manager's name, all those fields inside my ATS, my HR system, inside Process Street, wherever I, I, I can access that stuff from, from anywhere inside with Process Street. I can say, take all those data points and say, write me a welcome email for this person. And it will, you know, write a you know, personalized email. It will talk about their their school they went to, and it will take points from their resume and include them. And it will talk about the job they're starting and their hiring manager and their start date, and it will integrate all that into a nice email and write it for you, and um, have that be an automated email that goes out as part of the workflow. Right. So you can start to kind of use AI intermingled with any of the data in your workflow to do all sorts of interesting things. You can do math equations or formatting of texts or you know separate these fields, merge these fields, reformat these fields from comma, comma separated into bullet points, like whatever you want, right? You can kind of manipulate data in pretty interesting ways. So those are all things that just would have taken people time, right? Oh, you got to reformat this from comma separated into a bullet point list. Like, okay, that's like 10 minutes every time you got to do that, right? right. You do that yeah. 10 times a week, like, you know, that all these like small things start to add up inside these, 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 you know, digital 
knowledge workflows, right? That you kind of call them. And a lot of that stuff can just start getting chipped away and chipped away. So you, you ideally get it to the point where the only moment that humans need to get involved is when you're uniquely using human creativity or maybe you're using human quality control somewhere, right? But besides that, most of the other work is, is automated. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I love your use cases and, and how you kind of architected that. I think the import function would be huge for folks that have things sketched out or even the assistance in like terms of creating it, like the playbook. I think that's, that's fantastic. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. What would you say, like across your entire client base, for like the most three, or I say the the top three highest value processes that that organizations use Process Street for, or that they leverage it for? I would love to hear just your thoughts on that. Yeah, so HR, um, finance, and real estate are probably our big ones. Okay. Um, so the way that you can think about Process Street, it's it's similar to a lot of collaboration platforms out there. Um, that you have, you know, tasks and assignments and due dates and forms, right? Like that the people fill out. Um, but a big difference is that Process Street has a a builder and a collaborator model, or like a builder and a and a runner. We call them um, uh, user model. So there's there's people that are defining and programming the process. Like this is exactly how the process has to run. They are creating the rails, right? Like it has to run this way. Like we have to file our taxes this way, right? There is no room for creativity here, right? In fact, being creative will get us fined, <laughs> will penalize us, will cost us our license, right? Like we don't want to be creative in these scenarios. There are other teams and uh, parts of a business that you do want to like uh, support that creativity. Um, and there are, there are, types of businesses and teams within businesses where you don't want that creativity oh, where yeah. you want Definitely. compliance, right? Um, and so the, 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 the model of our product with this builder runner model uh, it maps very well to these compliance heavy, regulatory heavy types of teams and industries. You know, real estate's a good example. Like when a real estate lease or transaction is happening, it's not, it's not like it's not something that gets is is like made up for each deal, right? Like when you're selling software, your contract with your customer is unique to like the next company's contract with the customer. And the terms are different, and the conditions are different, and the whatever. But in real estate, the 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 the, the contract and the terms are defined by the state, right? And so everybody that's transacting in that state has to follow these exact same regulations. And if you don't, you lose your real estate license, right? So there is an opportunity for um, creativity or for iteration oh, right, yeah. on this. It, yeah. just, it just has to get done that way. Um, so that's, that's what we, we, we add the most value is when okay. the teams are organically operating that way, right? 
So, but that being said, there are lots of say marketing activities, for example, or sales activities that actually are pretty process driven. Like we have tons, like we have a lot of big podcasters that use process street for um, editing and publishing their podcasts because once it's a weekly podcast or a daily podcast, that actually becomes a pretty repetitive process. And um, it's different to like a rebranding exercise in marketing where that's much more of a project, right? Well, I'm going to have to look into that, man. I'm going to have to check that out. I love, I love the concept of the uh, the automatic podcast publishing because there's, there's a lot of underpinnings that I have associated with the show, you know, so I, I'm definitely going to check that out. What What's your take on definitely- like, what's that? What were you going to say? I was going to say, definitely if you have a team as well. So that's where a lot of the value comes in. If you have a podcast producer, if you have guests, if you have an editor, and then you have a designer, and then you want a a flow that connects all of them, and you're pushing in recordings in the front end, and you're like, you know, we're in progress of five episodes right now. One's waiting on the designer, one's waiting on the editor, one's waiting on the producer. Like, that gives you that kind of um, control and visibility into everything. Okay. Awesome. Makes sense. What's your what's your take on AI agents? Uh, they're going to get better and better, but I'm not really using anything besides GPT personally right now. Um, I know a lot of like people in our like a lot of people on our engineering team are using GitHub Copilot, for example. So I think that you know they're they're starting to get very useful for specific use cases. Um, and they're only going to get more and more useful, both for specific use cases and generalist use cases. Well, if you're to meta GPT, I think we're all we're all going to have a, a multiple AI co-pilots and coaches. Um, you know, I, I was uh, I've had this I've had this conversation, but I can't imagine like if you had a child now or anytime soon, I can almost guarantee you that a lot of what you what you teach your child is going to be influenced by your AI uh, assistant, coach, or whatever you want to call it. Right? Really? Because you're just going to be like, my baby's doing this. Why is it doing this? And the, the AI is going to be like, oh, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. And you're like, oh, shit, thanks, right? Like, why <laughs> would you not? Who would not use that ever, right? Like, um, like everyone will use that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I like you already you already do you already do it with Google, right? It's just like a, it's just a, a slightly better experience. Dude, that, parent, that's a, most parents are already doing that with Google today. Good way to explain it though, because it is right. Like you're having health problems, you look up Google, you, you get tapped into WebMD, you get get the shit scared out of you because you think you're gonna you know you're you're dying of cancer when you're just short vitamin D or whatever, right? Like so, <laughs> there's examples like that a lot. Like so I could see that with parenting too. It's like why is my kid doing this? So. I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's not something I've thought a ton about, but it's funny you say that because literally yesterday I saw something about that where I can't remember the name of it, but basically I, I think it was OpenAI invested into a co-pilot. Is that which one it is? It's called BERT or something like that? Is that I forget what it's called, but um, yeah, it was like, it's like a family yeah. scheduling, like reminder, like product. Yeah, that's a good example too. And I mean, that's a bit more of a... Um, uh, lower consequence product, right. right? In that it can, oh, you you mismanage a to do list or a scheduling or something. The consequences are lower than it tells you you should teach your child this, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's where we're going. Yeah, it's going to get crazy soon, like fast. So. Like, let's shift gears a little bit, go back to the business. The one thing I didn't ask you is, is just curious because you mentioned you got thousands of users and, and you've, you've grown pretty fast. I love the concept of, of 
what you're doing in the business. Like what's your primary go to market strategy? And then like, like in terms of revenue growth, right? Not just overall go to market strategy. And then I would love to hear just like how you've been scaling the business with it. Uh, yeah. So primary has been um, uh, product growth loops and content, right? So those have been our two primary like marketing engines that have then driven like an inbound sales motion, which usually starts with a trial uh, and then gets them like segmentation based on company size and you know some some you know, geography and things like that, and then either gets routed to like a self serve funnel or a sales funnel. Um, and so that's that's our main go to market engine. We we do do other things as well, right? We do some. Um, offline stuff. We do some podcasting stuff. We do some outbound. Uh, those all combined wouldn't, you know, wouldn't outperform or, you know, wouldn't be bit bigger contributors than the kind of standard inbound funnel. Um, and so the way that we scale that is we just work on scaling marketing uh, to drive more leads. And then the sales team kind of follows as as leads grow yeah uh, and and as acv grows as well so that's kind of the other factor too so we can also support a larger sales team just by moving up market and being able to just extract more revenue from our same leads oh yeah totally makes sense so what, what's your biggest challenge then moving up market or growing the business <laughs> scaling marketing <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um no yeah well, so so that's 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 probably the biggest challenge is scaling marketing like in an affordable way, right? Um, in a cost cost effective way. And then uh, moving up market, the biggest challenge is just like the complexity of functionality that those customers require. Um, each large enterprise has a, you know, a list of things that they need and the overlap is small uh, from enterprise to enterprise relative to SMB to SMB. So yeah, just whatever, all the security things, they need very powerful integrations and customization and admin controls and customization and branding and uh, a lot of things that these big companies are very, very fussy about that the, the smaller businesses are not. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of, a lot, sometimes the smaller ones are a little more laid back on the, actually a lot of times they are. So we're, yeah, but they're also spending 5% or 1% of the money. And true. so like, sure. It, it, yeah. You're more laid back when you're buying a toy car than when you're buying a Ferrari about like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's the quality of this thing that I'm buying. Right. Yeah, it's like, true, the, man. It's the, true. The, the, price, the price tag uh, impacts that a lot. Yeah. That's funny. That's a good analogy. I love the toy car versus the Ferrari. So um, unfortunately, we are up on time today. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Process Street? And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Twitter or X, I guess, at VinAP10. But the best place to check out Process Street is just our website, process.st. Uh, sign up for a free trial, play with the product, check out our YouTube videos, and uh, chat with support if you've got any questions. All right. Well, yeah, I really appreciate having you on the show. I, like I said, I was checking out your website a lot before you came on. Really, really love what you're doing. Love how you're integrating AI in a process. And there's a massive, massive need for, for what they are doing over a process. So definitely go check it out. 
Um, and then check him out on Twitter slash X and uh, see what, what tweets he's dropping there. But thanks for being on the show, Benet. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Appreciate it. All right. And we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.